When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard Show with co-host Catherine Brandt, Mike Molina, Andy Brandt Bernard, Dave Schrader, and the Hackmaster, Raptor Bashman D. And we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen, our special guest, Jeff Belanger, joining us right after this Tom Bernard Show. Due to the billions of marketing dollars spent by Walzer Automotive on Tom Bernard Podcast, you hopefully know that Walzer sells cars. What you might not know is that they also have two full-service collision repair centers in the Twin Cities. They're fully certified by all insurance carriers and can help you navigate all the paperwork if you ever have an accident. But wait, there's more. They've also been in the paintless dent repair business for nearly 30 years and can take those pesky dings out for just a fraction of what traditional bodywork costs. Broken windshield? Walzer Collision is a fleet of full-service mobile glass repair trucks as well. Walzer are pros at body and glass repair, but don't take my word for it. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and a nearly perfect 4.8 Google rating. Check them out at walzercollision.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? At, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Remember, remember the 5th of December. It's Krampus night here again. Remember, remember the 5th of December. Bad kids will meet their end. Oh. <laughs> what? Bad kids will meet their end. Well, that'll happen, you know, especially in Germany. Is that where Krampus was invented? Was it in Germany? Jeff Belanger with us. How you doing, Jeff? 
I'm doing great, and happy Krampusnacht to all of you. Krampusnacht. Jawohl. So, so is Krampus, a, is that a German character or figure? Well, figure, character, invention, how dare you use such words? No, I don't mean, I meant guy. Evil Germany, being. yes. Is he a German guy? There, yes. That's a better way to yes. put it. He does. He hails from Germany and, and Germanic uh, folklore, uh, for sure. Because yeah, they don't use it. spread throughout the, throughout the world, really, at this point. And I will tell you something, Jeff. My mother was 100% German, and those Germans are just never known to punish children. <laughs> you sure she was German? <laughs> yeah, she was German, all right. Yeah, no, I, I think the if you look at the old Brothers Grimm Tales, I mean the originals. If yes. you think of Cinderella, you think of what Disney showed you. The original Grimm Tales are brutal. Uh, for example, the original Cinderella story, mm-hmm. where the stepsisters are trying to squeeze their shoot their feet into the glass slipper in the right. Disney version. In the Grimm version, one of them cuts her toes off and fills it with blood. Yep. There. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're very brutal. This was the original, and, mm-hmm. and you know, we kind of whitewashed that over the years. And, and then at the Grimm, end... Doesn't Cinderella turn into like a pumpkin? She, uh, <laughs> or something to that effect. Her uh, her carriage uh, turned into the pumpkin. Oh, she turned. <laughs> does she? Something bad happens to her at the end, doesn't it? Yeah, she turns back into just a you know a common girl without the the fancy clothes and everything. Uh, else. So she never. The, she just didn't get the princes all. Yeah, yeah. Those those original stories. I think you know back in the 1800s, these stories, these folklore and legends. They were very brutal. They were very black and white, and that was the world that they lived in. Uh-huh. Yeah. And over over time, we've really toned that down. Um, but the good news is these legends, which I believe are living, breathing things in and of themselves, they can come back. They can, and they are coming back. Krampus is an example of that. I mean, a Hollywood movie was released nationwide a couple of years ago. Uh, that alone tells you that he's popular popular enough that he's making a comeback. There are now Krampus action figures. Pop really? oh, there are. I knew one of those, you know, those little uh, fun pop characters. The little ki- They've got a Krampus figure that just came out from that. Mm, I didn't know that either. But I, I, I love the whole Krampus storyline because to me it's like you find out uh, he's actually buddies with Santa Claus. Santa, he sends Krampus out as kind of his uh, mob enforcer <laughs> so that by the time Santa hits the ground running, he doesn't have to worry who's good and bad. Krampus has cleared oh, the way. Oh, nice. It's the original good cop, bad cop. It really is. And, and Krampus just looks like he's a little bit like a satyr, half yeah, goat. He's, he's, but he's, he's, yeah, he's covered in fur. He's got hooves for feet. He's, he's got horns. He's got a long red forked tongue. Uh, he, he, the chains rattle as he approaches, and he stuffs kids into either a burlap sack or a basket. And there were dozens and dozens of different uh, postcard designs that came out between the 1860s and the 1900s. This was like sending Christmas cards back then. It's, it's the reminder of the consequence of the season. You know, you just, until you got to the part about the kids, you were describing me. <laughs> well, <laughs> big and hairy and cloven foot. Big and hairy and cloven hoof. <laughs> <laughs> At the seven-foot tongue, you know the whole deal. It's, uh, you know, I, I I'm big into uh, horror films. I like horror, I don't I don't like slasher films. Like just you know stab them up and slit throats and all. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. I, I I like, you know, kind of jump out scary things. Um, and if they if they're going to be brutal, they show a little bit of it and then you know cut away to the shadows or the of the characters or whatever. I just love how people want there to be things in the world. And it's pretty much in every culture, isn't it, Jeff, that, that people want there to be demons in the world. Why is that? Because there are demons in the world. I mean, 
Think about well, uh, you, you know. Schrader's right here. You can't. No, I know, right? You got Schrader. But uh, I mean, think about serial killers. Think about Hitler. Think about you know people. There are monsters in our world. There were monsters in our world back then too, and and these representations help us kind of come to grips with that. And and I think what 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 a, what a legend is is it really is a living, breathing thing. If I say Bigfoot to you, there's a picture in your head that you you know where he lives, you yes, know where he's from, yes. and all that stuff. You know, and and as with so many other things. And our belief in the thing makes it real in a very tangible way. And so when we have Krampus, we've got this consequence of the season. Yeah. Do you, do you know any kids that got coal or sticks in their stocking as a kid? Well, no. our son Andy's right here. So, Andy, <laughs> did you ever get coal or sticks? I did not. I didn't think so. Yeah. So, so that's not, I mean, that's not much of a consequence. And, in fact, during some periods of time, if you were poor and cold, coal was great. It yeah. could warm you up for a little while. So Krampus is the ultimate consequence. If you're not good, you die. (laughs) (laughs) Very clear cut. It is Krampus. (laughs) I love the fact that there's a Krampus Day. December 5th is Krampus Day. And is it Krampus or Krampus? Krampus, I guess, would be a little more Germanic. And the reason that today, December 5th, is Krampus Day is because tomorrow, December 6th, is St. Nicholas Day. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's where this comes from. So St. Nicholas comes tomorrow. And today is, is Krampusnacht. So if, you sur- if you're a kid and you somehow survive tonight, and imagine going to bed, Tom, and you're, you're, you're running through all your sins of the last year. You're going, oh, man. I was well, Catherine does again. that for me. I broke that face, and I did this, and I did, oh, man, oh, right. man, will I make it? And then if you wake up the next day, you're good for another year. Well, see, that's a good thing, because Krampus did not come and get me because I've spent 48 years in radio. I should be punished for that. <laughs> Well, the, the night is young. It's, well, that's true. I wonder how many parents me. took the opportunity to throw their kid, their bad kid off a cliff. Seriously, <laughs> I bet it happened. Wow, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I bet it happened. This is the Christmas spirit. That's a little dark. There go, Man. Catherine. <laughs> Holy cow. Andy, I'd go home right now if I were you. You just made Jeff Belanger, the lead investigative uh, researcher for Ghost Adventures, go, Whoa. Yeah, Nicely done. You creeped him out. <laughs> we, we, I'm a little nervous. You know it. Jeff, I always think about this, and, and you had made like the, you had made the reference earlier. I love the fact that, and I do it. Everybody does it. Uh, they go, oh, you know, there's this, there's that, there's Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler was the greatest thing that ever happened to Chairman Mao because Mao killed 80 million people, and everybody still go, well, Hitler. <laughs> it's like, yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> I killed 68 million fewer people than Mao did. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess it's not a competition, right? No, I guess it's not. Thank God. <laughs> you know, there are monsters among us is, is the point. And, and there are monsters that have killed just, you know, a, a half dozen people, but they did it in brutal ways. Oh, you know, yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer and Son of Sam. And, you know, you, the, these things come up. And that's, that's a, it's a scary world we live in. And I think especially children are trying to come to grips with, the safety of living in your home where your parents take care of everything and keep you safe, that's their number one job, to also getting you ready for a world that's not so safe, that you're going to have to leave the nest and you're going to have to be able to cope with yourself knowing that there are demons out there. And Krampus helps with that. I really like the fact that you have a sense of humor about this. You spend a lot of time studying this and getting to know the the subject, but you have a sense of humor about it, so I have to tell you. Oh, yeah. The uh, weird. Kevin Meany was in in studio on my morning show the day that the Jeffrey Dahmer crimes were revealed. So as the news is coming in, Kevin Meany, who was unfortunately no longer with us, actually killed himself, to tell you the truth. But 
He said one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my entire life. We're sitting there, this, these horrendous reports are coming through about heads being found in the refrigerator and, you know, organs on the stove and the whole deal, right? And they're going on and on and on. And Kevin Meany hasn't said much. So there's a little bit of a break in me. Kevin Meany says, can you imagine, Tom, if you're like the, the landlord in that building? The cops take Dahmer away. They haul out all that stuff. And you go in, you open the door, and you go, all this carpet's got to go. Never too soon for Kevin Meany. Never exactly. Unbelievable. I got two minutes on my watch. What do you got? That's amazing. You know, I, I grew up Roman Catholic, and, and Catholics love to believe in demons, first of all. Yeah. Is it more than any other religion, or do, do all religions believe that in their own special demons? Yeah, there are. There are. I mean, the, the Muslims have the jinn, and uh, yeah. there's the dibbik in the Jewish faith, and uh, the Hinduism has got plenty as well. But I was raised Catholic as well, and boy, we've got a whole spectrum, right? We've got God and the devil. We've got angels. We've got demons. We've got saints. <laughs> we've got sinners. We've got purgatory. I mean, there is. That's the, we're all. That's the whole spectrum of of everything, and I think. I was being raised Catholic. That probably made me more prone to believe in this kind of stuff because I was exposed to these ideas from such a young age. I, I have friends. I never did, but I have friends who I, who I, I grew up with, Roman Catholic people. There are a couple of Italians on my morning show that I do, and they believe in uh, you know psychics and they believe in devils and angels. They actually they these are grown people and they they do believe still in that stuff. They were raised Catholic and they and they believe it. Tread lightly, Bernard. What? <laughs> no, you know what I'm saying. Dark like Dave sitting across from you. Those guys, and they're adults, well, and they believe in this stuff. No, no, no. What I'm saying is... <laughs> well, no, but I, well, let, me, let me bring it back to Krampus, right? So what's the point of good if there is no evil? Well, you're right. right. What's the point of God without the devil? That is I mean, a problem. It's a, it's, a, it's a quandary. You have to choose good. That's, that's the tenet of, of most major religions. You have to make the, the free will choice to choose good things because evil temptation is always out there. That is very true. Also, one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life is a poster of a uh, young guy who's just scored a touchdown playing in a football game, and he's looking up at the sky and praying <laughs> to God and thanking Jesus for the touchdown. <laughs> and the other half of the poster is Jesus was with feet up watching a hockey game. <laughs> <laughs> I love that stuff. But I, 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 I've always been one, and Catherine, my, my wife, is here, Hello. and she'll tell you that if I get a chance to go see a horror film, I'll do it in a minute because I enjoy them. And that's all the way from, I, I don't know anything will ever top Psycho, but of course I was only 11 years old when that movie came out, so it kind of freaked me out. There's yeah. no doubt about that. But I love that. So see, I love going to movies and being scared. Stabbing stuff doesn't scare me. Sure. Well, didn't they, with the Krampus thing, though, too, I mean, what's what's kind of a fascinating aspect, didn't they actually kind of outlaw Krampus, Jeff, for oh, a long did. time, where you just, because it became such a powerful um, fear mm. place that they actually, they stopped talking about it and giving it any power for a number of years? Well, for example, I can tell you something that happened uh, three days ago, where I live in Massachusetts. There was a Krampus festival planned for this weekend, uh -oh. and the church got it shut down because this is the Christmas devil. And I so badly wanted to sit down and talk with the, the priest, pastor, Monsignor, whoever it was that, that did this, to say, Krampus 
is actually on your side. You, know, <laughs> you, you, you don't quite get this, but like he's the consequence. Like I, I think you should be more against Santa Claus than Krampus if I had to pick one. But I'm not in charge of religions, probably for a really good reason. But Jeff, Jeff, <laughs> leave the abuse of children to the religious leaders, That's not right. some demonic force. Right, but, that's, but you know what I'm saying? I, th- I think if, if if you look at Krampus, he looks like a Satan figure. And, and yes. I get that that's scary, and that's the point. But if you look at his story, that's, uh, that he, you know, the angel of death, that, that legend, the angel of death is not evil. The angel of death just is doing a, a job that is really a bad job and no, a job no one wants. But that doesn't make it an evil character. Mm-hmm. And I think Krampus is the same way. Krampus is just the enforcer. He didn't commit the sins. He's just enforcing the punishment i like the idea i am krampus yeah <laughs> i love the idea of krampus that's what the enforcer that's a good thing you know i, I tell you something and, and i think Catherine knows this and she's probably the only one in the room that knows this but when i was very very young um 10 12 years old somewhere in that in that area i contemplated the devil for the very first time i didn't really think much about it. i was like oh yeah yeah the devil that's right there's angels and there's a devil and there's jesus and there's all this other stuff but i actually thought about it in depth for the first time and it almost brought me to tears thinking that there could be a being the devil is there any more lonely or sad or isolated being on earth than the devil how sad is that well, I don't know. All my dead friends are probably with him. <laughs> He's probably you know, hanging out. With that said, Tom, there's a great scene. It's a bad movie overall, but there's a, a movie that came out called Dracula 2000. Oh, I remember that. Where yeah. Dracula is kind of reawoken. Right. And you finally hear the backstory. And spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you what it comes out to be. And they, they had a genius aspect for who Dracula really was. Mm-hmm. And they bring it back past Vlad the Impaler. It turns out he's Judas Iscariot. Oh, see? And the reason he hung himself at uh, nightfall, so that's why he can never see the sun again. Yes. And silver is offensive to him because he traded the mm. Christ for 13 pieces I of like silver. It. And he's got this deal. And at the end, he's, like you're saying, the, the devil's the loneliest guy on earth. Judas is on the roof, Dracula, and he's, he's yelling at God, and he goes, why am I being punished? It was foretold. I did my job. Yeah. And he's, like, just outraged at this whole thing. I see this. That oh, that's, like, the best part of it. You're like, holy crap, that's really impressive, see, you know, that they thought that far out of, of who this character would be and why he does what he does. That's why I love it. That's why I love it so much. But but it did. I thought, my God, it made me very sad to think that somebody was that isolated and that miserable. You know? It it, it was it really bothered me. And Jeff, then you got into radio. Then I got into radio, <laughs> and I was really miserable. Uh, we're going to be back in about two minutes. Is that it's all right with you, Jeff? You got it. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. My pillow is the holiday gift that keeps on giving. Long after the bath and body soaps have washed down the drain and the new treadmill has been turned into a clothes rack, your MyPillow gift will be guaranteeing your friends and family a great night's sleep. Buy one MyPillow and get one free online with my code KQRS or call my special offer number at 800-694-2056. Buy one, get one at MyPillow.com, keyword KQRS, or call 800-694-2056. When you care about your job, you care about the job you do. At Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, they hire the best people, treat them right, and they treat you right when you call to schedule an appointment. Bryant Furnaces and Air Conditioners and the Sabre Blue Maintenance Plan are as good as it gets. This is Tom Bernard for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Visit SabreHeating.com for special savings on air conditioners. Plus, get more information on their Sabre Blue Maintenance Plan. Sabre and Bryant. 
whatever it takes. Running with the devil. See, now there's a Sicilian right there playing that, Jeff. Mike Molina playing Running with the Devil as a theme song for this segment. I love that. Jeff Belanger with us, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, all your accomplishments, great accomplishments. Uh, Dave's been telling me all about you for, for a while and now. Can, can I mention for him, too? He hosts a weekly podcast. It's one of these micro-podcasts. Mm-hmm. They're like 6 to 12 minutes long. Yes. And it's OurNewEnglandLegends.com. And he goes into these different legends that are really amazing, and he does it in a fun, entertaining way. And again, they're not something that's going to take up your whole day, but you can find it at OurNewEnglandLegends.com and keep up with uh, all the all the stories behind the history. Now, Jeff, can you find anybody still working at PBS? Because they all got fired, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny. You know, PBS, it's, uh, I've been doing projects for them. It's, it's a, I'm a stringer, really. It's an independent producer. So Wonderful. I don't, yeah, I don't work for them, but they, they right. play our stuff. And, um, you know, and with that comes a budget of, you know, zero, really. <laughs> so um, it's, some of these projects you do because they're passion projects, and some of them you do to make a living and and i'm blessed that i get to do so many different things that is a wonderful thing you published in six languages as well that's very impressive so you know i I write books and like dave said the podcast so what this all comes down to is i'm really fascinated with the backstory of everything you know and the christmas thing for me started about four or five years ago i was hanging my wreath on the front door and i went why am i doing this and it it wasn't like i was in some grinch moment or anything i just went well i know my dad put a wreath on our door and my grandfather's did and and it looks nice. It's pleasant. I love the holiday season. I really do. But why the wreath? And then yeah. you start going back and you learn, like, well, the Nordic people, they would look out at this bleak nan- landscape and see that winter kills everything. Everything. All the trees, the plants, the, the flowers, everything, except the evergreen. The evergreen must be imbibed with magic. The holly bush must be magical. It's more powerful right. than winter. Right. So they'd put these pine needle boughs over their doors and windows because those prickly needles would keep out the evil spirits during the the long winter and we still do it and we don't even know why and i'm like now i love when i hang my wreath i'm keeping out evil spirits i'm keeping the good spirit and good cheer inside i think this is a great thing and we just we don't even know why we just do these things because our parents did it but there's a backstory yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it brings great joy to people about bringing, yes, their life will return. You bring the tree indoors and, uh, you know. That's well, a weird one. I mean, really, to bring a tree inside is well, weird. It, it, it's it, a little weird. To kill it and bring it in. <laughs> to kill it and bring it in. Well, there, there, there's a reason, though. I mean, so, so that evergreen represents something more powerful than winter. And then this is, so many of our traditions come from the festival Yule, from the Scandinavian part of the world. Right. And this Yule took place on the winter solstice. And it, it, was, it was a time when they would all drink from the drinking horn. They would share it with each other. And the idea is that we're all equal. Because let's face it, in that part of the world, just like in your part of the world, it, winters can be long and bleak. And my roof may collapse, and I might need to seek shelter with you, and vice versa. And, and we're going to need to get through this together. And, and I think that's, that's a good thing. That's a good tradition to carry over you know, year after it year. Is. And that's, that's why we, we keep that stuff around. And same with the evergreen. Yep. It's a sacred bush. It's a sacred uh, tree, and, and, if, and we honor that. We honor, we honor nature. And if nothing else, you may need it to burn for firewood. Well, and to tell you the truth, as far as 
growing up a little boy in Minnesota, as soon as I saw the Christmas tree, I thought, oh, great, we're only eight months away from spring. So, <laughs> so, right. so why does the, so why does the sexual ha- harassment uh, uh, plant, uh, the mistletoe, how does that come, in, come to be? Yeah, think about that's, that. That's a great story. I'm glad you asked. So mistletoe, uh, the, the legend behind it is there's the Norse god Frigg, who yep. was the wife of Odin. Odin's the, the big chief who would ride through the sky on an eight-legged horse and have a big white beard. Eight legs, white beard, flying through the sky, mm. round solstice, just saying. I like it. And so <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, hold on a second. <laughs> oh, 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 what, did I, did I go too quick? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so the goddess Frigg, her son is Baldar, the, the, the god of summer sun, and he dreams of his own death, and he sees this as a prophecy, and so Frigg tells all the, the world of the earth, the sky, and water that no harm can befall her son. But the evil god Loki finds a loophole in this, and the loophole is mistletoe, because mistletoe doesn't grow in the water, on the earth, or in the sky. It's a parasite that grows on a tree. So he takes the poisonous mistletoe, puts it on an arrow, gives it to the blind god of winter, and says, hey, aim that way, and it kills Baldar. And for three days, number three, significant, uh, all the creatures of the earth, the, the sky, and the water try to bring him back to life, but no one's able to except his mother. The goddess Frigg cries and cries over him, and her tears hit his body and bring him back to life. And those tears turn to pearly white balls on the mistletoe. And she determines that because this happened, that there can never be any harm to anyone who stands under the mistletoe, and you have to give a a token kiss of love uh, instead as as a symbol that there will be no harm to anyone who stands under the mistletoe. That sounds like the ring cycle. What a story. (laughs) <laughs> it's a part of the ring. There's a lot of uh, very, very. I mean, I, I really feel like Tolkien got a lot of his ideas from North, Norse mythology. No question. Because a well, lot of, of that Ragnarok and um, you know the uh, the uh, what's 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 the name of the wolf? I can't remember. Beowulf. No. Uh, <laughs> no. So there's a wolf that's supposed to. He's, he's supposed to, you know, kill Odin during the final battle at Ragnarok oh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, all that kind of stuff. That's it was really it was definitely the first um, fantasy book, I would say. Well, when you when you heard about Krampus, did you say to yourself, "Boy, this why does this sound just slightly familiar?" And then you start thinking, you know, "You're a mean one, Mister Grinch." Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, I mean, that's living in a, a cave up there. You know, he's, when his when his green hair turns to like a horn at one point when he smiles, you go, "Huh, it's Krampus." Uh, Jeff, Jeff, would you rather meet the uh, the French Christmas cannibal or Krampus? <laughs> I think Krampus would be more interesting to like have a beer with. If I had to <laughs> have a beer with. I mean, cannibals aren't interesting; they're just gross. The Christmas yeah, just, you know. cannibal. What the heck? Well, you know, and also, if, if, if Krampus is too much for you, Germans also have Der Belschnickel. Yeah. Bless you. Yes, they do. Thank you. Der Bel- and what does Der Belschnickel do? Der Belschnickel translates to Nicholas and Furs, and what Nicholas and Furs does is each village would have one. And he shows up, he's covered in soot, he's covered in furs, and he carries a switch of sticks. And unlike Krampus, he's not going to kill your children, but he is going to beat them. <laughs> I don't believe him. Send him to my house and prove it. Yeah, prove it, will you? That's phenomenal. So he shows up a couple weeks before Christmas, and, and one year I might be Belschnickel, next year you might be it. And he shows up, and he'll open the door, and he'll say, So, are there any naughty children in here? 
And they'll say, oh, yeah, little Davy Schrader over here has been pretty naughty this year. Oh. So you say, okay, Davy, come with me. And he'll take him to the backyard, tie him to a tree, and beat him mercilessly with sticks. And the idea is that I will get Dave to fly right so Santa can still bring him gifts in a couple of weeks. And once he's been, you know, punished, you know, sufficiently for his, his crimes and his disobedience, he can go back to his life, rub his sore bum and back, and get some gifts from Santa. Wow. Listen how sweet that is. Very <laughs> sweet. He wraps it all up. After a brutal beating, you still get those gifts. You still get a seven up. <laughs> and that's the rest of the story. Yeah, exactly. Has there ever been a clear definition by any religion, as far as the Holy Trinity is concerned, that which is which? What, you know, there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in, in, in Catholicism. Which is the earth, which is the sky, and which is the water? Have we ever, has there ever been distinction there? Oh boy, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a big question, and I, I, I mean, I, I think that that comes down to, um, you know, every religion is supposed to have some sort of honor for nature. Yes, the, absolutely. The land we live on, yep. and that, and you know, you have to realize a lot of rules of religion have to do with just basically a, a good society. You know, if you steal and kill, mm-hmm. it's, it's not going to be a good society. If you pollute and destroy the land you live on, you're not going to be able to stay there. Right. Uh, so, so some of our traditions that we we carry forward. You know, the unleavened bread, if you're Jewish, that had to do with not enough time to let the bread rise. Right. It, was, it wasn't like, let's do away with yeast. It was, there's no time. It was We're Exodus, in that much yeah. of a hurry. So I, I think a lot of these traditions, um, it, and it's, it's sad because it's so long ago now that it's easy for us to just kind of reason it away. You know, well, we don't have to worry about the earth and the sky and the water anymore. We don't have to worry about ghosts anymore. We've explained all this stuff. I don't think we have, and I think that's the reason that some of these legends just don't quite go away. You know, I actually had a Native American guest on our show last week, and we were talking about the Native American perspective on the supernatural, Mm -hmm. and he started talking about um, theology and religion. And I said, well, how how do you rectify religion with Native American culture? And he goes, they go hand in hand. And he goes, in your Bible, how does God create man and woman from the earth? Mm -hmm. God the Father... Earth, the mother. Earth, the mother. Yeah, and Earth, that is mother, mother. Yeah, and mother. And he starts explaining this and that they, they've they been simpatical through all time and space. It's mm-hmm. really interesting. And he kind of lines up some of these points of how what the Native American culture believes in is just another version of Christianity. It is. Absolutely it is. And that's why it, I find it funny, and I'm not going to go over the top with religion here, but I do find it funny that right now Christianity is being beaten to a pulp, and I don't know why that is. Uh, what did Christianity now do that, oh, you don't even bring that up? All other religions are honored. And, and it's not just because I was raised Catholic, because I'm not a very religious guy, Jeff. And I don't, uh, matter of fact, I'm not religious at all, <laughs> if you want to know the truth. But I just, I really notice that Christianity right now is like this evil religion to, to, to kind of like the far left of the, of, of the country. I don't know why that is. I disagree. Um, I, I oh, think that, number one, uh, if you want to look at just pure market share, there are mm-hmm. more Christians in the world than anyone else. Um, oh, you mean in the United States? No, in the world. There are more Christians Christian. in the world than, than Muslims? All right, hold on, I'm Googling. <laughs> South America is almost all Christian. Yeah, it is. It, it is. Mexico. Yeah, 2.2 billion um, is, is 31%. And that, and when you add up oh. all the others, that's, that's still more than... You're than, right. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the largest market share. So, <laughs> said the radio guy. I like that. <laughs> so when you're when you're number when you're Coke, man, Pepsi's gunning for you. <laughs> that's what and it I think is. That's part, that's part of it. So uh, you're I, and right. I think, and, and one of the fundamental problems, if you are going to be religious, 
I, I think about, you know, when Jehovah Witnesses come to my door, I actually, um, I, I engage. I think this is an interesting opportunity. So right. I open the door, and I say, look, stop whatever you're saying. <clears throat> you're, you're selling something, and I might buy. And here's what I, why I might buy. I want to know why your faith works for you, and I don't want you to use anyone else's words but your own. And often they'll say, well, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 3, right, I go, whoa, whoa, right. whoa, 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 that's someone else's words. Right. That's the word of God. No, no, but that's still someone else. Tell me why it works for you, and you just get this blank look. And I thought about how, like, man, Jehovah Witnesses must be a tight group, because how many doors are slammed in your face? How many people swear at you, tell you off? And you usually do this in pairs for safety mm, yes. or, or, or trios. And they must just go back and be, like, this, the most tight-knit group ever, because they've been through some stuff. And if you, every religion has to sell that they're so oppressed because it helps the flock. It helps keep you unified and solidified. And if you're not oppressed, you, you better find some. <laughs> it's no good being on top, right? You, you need to be the underdog. And I think that's why some people look for, uh, you know, look for, for us to be, you know, Christians to be oppressed when, in fact, I don't, I don't see it. I've been a Catholic my whole life. I don't mm-hmm. feel it. I live in New England. My God, everyone around here is Catholic. No one, you know, no one's oppressed me, and I've traveled around the world. You live uh, in Massachusetts? <laughs> even in Massachusetts. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I said, do you live in Massachusetts? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do live in Massachusetts. I mean, who's going to mess with a guy from Massachusetts? Like, they're all Catholic. I mean, we, if there's one place that I would move, it would be to Massachusetts. <laughs> well, come on down. we got room. Oh, I, lo- I tell you what, I love Bostonians. I love Massachusetts. It's just, I, I, Jeff, I love, now, do you live in Boston? I live just south of Boston. Okay. Uh, I don't want to say where because we have a football team in our town. Yeah, I've never heard of them before. No, they, they, they do all right. Never heard of them. Yeah. Uh, but what I love about Boston is uh, townies and southies, you're Irish, but you're the wrong kind of Irish. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And yeah. also, north, northern, uh, the north side of Boston is the safest neighborhood in the country. Yeah, you, you know, so there's so much history here, you know, yes. between Plymouth and, and Native American history and, and so much stuff. And, and what I love about this part of the country, too, is that our old buildings are preserved. I mean, I could take you to towns where if we walk down Main Street, if you take away the traffic lights and the street lights, that's what it looked like 200 years ago. That house was there, and it was still red, and yeah. that town hall looked just like it does now, yep. and, you know, and so on. And so you, you really do get a sense of connecting with, uh, with, with some some roots that run pretty deep in, in this part of the world. And, and I think that's, that's wonderful. If, if we yep. lose our history, if we forget our history, we're really doomed to repeat it. And I think that's, um, that, that's a risk for anyone living anywhere. And so that's why I embrace these legends, because yep. in some ways, yep. that's the story coming back to the present. I love the fact that Sicilians and Italians now in North Boston tell their children if they don't behave, Whitey Bulger's coming back. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't understand why Italians let him into North Boston. I'll never understand it. Uh, you know, it's uh, Boston's a unique place, and um, <laughs> yes, you have to kind of go there to, to, to figure it out. It's like it's like a big bowl of chowder, you know, and. Uh, Different ingredients make different results. Jeff, we got to have you on more often. You're a terrific guest. Dave said oh, you thanks. would be, and, and I called him a liar. But <laughs> now I find out he was telling the truth. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate a it. And I hope pleasure. you survive tonight, Krampus Knock. Good luck. Krampus Knock, good night, and Merry Christmas to you, sir. Thank you. Jeff Belanger, what an interesting guy. Yeah. Good we'll be job. back. We'll talk about this right up to this Tom Bernard show. No, I learned, I learned a long time ago. Like, I, I, I think it's... Whatever, whatever you're into, you're into. But I don't know. I'm not into that religious stuff where, uh, and this is why I actually walked away from my religion. Just I had to be honest with myself. One, I didn't like to go and 
I didn't like going to church every week, you know. <laughs> I just didn't. Part of it was I'm lazy. I don't like getting up on Sunday. And the other part was I already heard all the stories, okay? <laughs> heard three, four times. The dude hasn't come back yet. You know, we're just sort of mulching over the same shit here. I got it. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then the other aspect was, you know, I actually, uh, I had to be honest with myself, I felt my religion made sense and everybody else's sounded stupid. There you go. <laughs> there it is. Bill Burr. He had some great insights on that bit. Man. Oh, oh there's no doubt about it. Yeah, when he goes after Scientology. Your religion sucks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's how it was in my neighborhood, though. Honest to God, you go up and down the street. I suppose everybody's neighborhood back in those days. His comment about Scientology yeah. is, he says, that happened when my dad was alive. My dad said it didn't happen. <laughs> it didn't happen. It never happened. No, I mean, literally, there were, and when I grew up, there was a Catholic neighborhood, which was separate from the black neighborhood, which was separate from the Jewish neighborhood. I mean, there were very big cultural differences. Sure. And everybody, and there still are, absolutely. But everybody thought everybody else's religion sucked. They still do. Yeah, and they still do. That's exactly right. That's what I get a kick out of. I know you like the Marx Brothers as well. Oh, I love the Marx. And I read the Chico's book, right? Yeah. And, and, it talks about how he start, got so good at the dialects was the way to keep from getting his butt kicked between neighborhoods. Right. So right. he would go between neighborhoods and he'd pick up the dialect. So he'd start talking to you in Yiddish or he'd talk to you in Italian or he'd talk to you in Irish with the, with the lilt. And then they'd think he was one of them and they'd leave him alone. Right. And he kept going through the town. That was the way he would traverse the area. Um, Makes total sense. Yeah. So it's funny that that was his little... Uh, his little saving grace, right? I'll just mimic whoever I'm around and I can't get in any trouble. <laughs> I, think, I think pretty much everybody does that if they have the ability to do it. Right. That's why accents exist, really. Yeah, absolutely. They signal that you're from the same tribe. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I speak more Yiddish than any Jew in Minnesota. I do. I mean, I learned to speak Yiddish when I was very, very young just by listening. You know, I didn't study it. I didn't, nothing like that. I just listened to what they were saying. And, of course, the Jews all call the Catholic shickers. Which are drinkers or drunks. <laughs> so that's really nice. Oh, you gone over to that uh, Shikather event? Another Shikather event over there? Shikather event. So, <laughs> you go get drunk with all the other Catholics? Very astute people. But those, but those neighborhoods. That's true. But those neighborhoods still persist. Still persist. Sure. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they you do. Know, in Los Angeles, in particular, they still persist. In the, you know, really? uh, in Los High Angeles? Oh, on Highland, it's all conservative Jews. Yeah. That extent, you know, yeah, they all persist. In fact, right, but it's not like it used to be where there was uh, uh, Irish town, Jew town. Yeah, no, oh, it's, really? it's, it's, there it's, is. Oh, I, I no don't know if you use those terms. Yeah, because they're actually called uh, the Japanese, the Jap Japan town, mm -hmm. Korea town, Korea town. Right? It, China, in fact, in Korea town. You know, all the a lot of the signs are in uh, uh, in kanji, and then if you go up to uh, um, up to uh, Glen, uh, oh, gee, Glendale, all the signs are in Cyrillic because it's Armenian. The, they have these huge, intense enclaves all That's over. That's amazing. Still, still to this day, and the, the Russian Jews live up uh, on uh, on Sunset near Hollywood. That's where there's a, the, the Jewish community is there. I mean, so it's you, you. So there's even subsects that have their own little community because you want to be around the people that believe like you, look like you, mm -hmm. talk like you, because you have a common thread. Sure, and celebrate it's not that you hate other things. people; it's just you just have a common thread. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. East LA has all the, the huge Mexican population. People are speaking Spanish. You get the food there. It's everything is there. 
still early on, right? But just the stories of how we got here and where we're going and what happens after we die. Everybody else's religion sounded stupid, you know? <laughs> like I live out in Los Angeles, there's a bunch of Scientologists out there. And the first time I heard the story of Scientology, I was like, that is the dumbest shit <laughs> I have ever heard in my life. Like, your, your guy's name is Ron. <laughs> Ron. And he wasn't alive thousands of years ago, so you can hide a lot of it in the mystery. This guy was alive like 45, 50 years ago. He had a driver's license, <laughs> social security number. There's like footage of him stubbing his toe. Motherfucker. <laughs> Bill Burr is very funny. Have you ever, uh, Three you know, with as popular as, as <laughs> Leah Remini's show is, have you ever talked to uh, her sister about oh, the yeah, Scientology? Oh, yeah, she's the one in town here? Yeah, yeah, Nicole. Yeah, Nicole's great. Has she? Have you ever had her on to speak specifically about the Scientology Not issue? about Scientology, You no. should have her on because she's got a pretty unique perspective that's, you know, I mean, she's very much like her sister and supports the sister, but the mom and the sister, they all left that religion. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. And uh, it's pretty uh, I don't know, last time weird. we had her on, she was in with Bob. Oh, they God, were doing those that, two. Yeah. You don't want Bob in with anybody. <laughs> no? It's not a good idea. Well, last week he was in here, he almost looked like he wanted to kill somebody. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, he was loaded for bear. <laughs> he was loaded for bear last week. The, the eye tie was coming out, and I'll tell you that. Sandy wanted to kill somebody. Um, I got the phone call. Dave, so I'm doing my show, and uh, Bob Sansevier shows up. <laughs> I wasn't expecting Bob Sansevier today, <laughs> no. Dave. I would Neither imagine were not. We. Yeah. Neither were we. Yeah, actually. he just kind of walked in. Yeah. Yep. No, I'm saying you. Was that call? You're like no, that was an interesting I day. No, that wasn't really interesting. Yeah. That was interesting. Um, do we have all of Jeff Belanger's song? Did he send us the whole song? Yeah. Because I do want to play it uh, at the end of the segment. How long is it? I think it's like three and a half minutes. Three. three? So I can. It's yeah. Krampus Day. We got to play the Krampus Day song. Can yeah. we play it? The whole thing. Well, he sent it to us. No, there's nothing naughty in it. I doubt. No, it's, I mean, I doubt YouTube has we that won't get on it. Yeah. Okay. That's more, th- unless it's like, you know, registered with uh, Sony or something. No, he but... gave it to us to play today, specifically. Oh, okay. He All said right. we can. Uh, well, but I mean, he, he didn't publish it via Sony or anything, no. did he? Yeah, that no. is fine. Because okay. they get all whipped up about that. Man. Yeah, they sure do. They get yes. all carried away about that whole. Well, that thing, you know, you can thank for that is. Uh, the kids in their rock and roll music? P- Puddinghead, <laughs> or what, what's his name? Puddinghead. What the hell's his name? He Buckethead? Just... <laughs> P. Diddy. There you oh, go. Yeah, Puddinghead well, pudding is a better name for him. Puddinghead's a better name for him. I mean, he ripped off so many people to build his sure career. Did. That's why we have all these laws now. Well, is it just him? There was well, a lot of he, there was a lot of the rap industry did that. Oh yeah. You know, like it was funny. I remember in the '80s when Run DMC started hitting, and they were doing the samples. They were kind of one of the first ones I heard sampling. Sample, yeah. And they they sampled the monkeys, Mary Mary. <laughs> That's and right. my buddy, I call him up, and I'm like, he's writing a book on the monkeys. I go, did you hear there's a rap song called Mary Mary that samples the monkeys? It's unbelievable. And he goes, what? And he knew Mike Nesmith, and he calls Mike Nesmith, and Mike Nesmith goes, well, I'll be talking to my accountant. Yes, I will be. And uh, he made a big chunk of bank off of that that at first they oh, didn't I even s- think about it. They yeah. thought they were kind of back in that day, from my yep. understanding, the rap artists thought, we're doing you a favor. We're making you relevant again. Yeah, oh, that's which what they, they thought, did yeah. for air uh, for not air supply, <laughs> air uh, with Aerosmith, right? Aerosmith, they did. Yeah, that reignited their career. Well, hey, everyone loves uh, smoke on the water, right? That's from what 1927 or something. Uh, I don't think it's that early. It's certainly before Deep Purple, though. 
That was Astrid Gilberto. Astrid Gil- oh, What's that was it Astrid called? Gilberto? Yes. Is it called Smoke on the Water? No. Oh, Girl from Ipanema Part 2. Well, it's called Maria Quiet. Quiet, Quiet. I don't know how you'd Maria pronounce Quiet. it. Maria Quiet? Something Brazilian. Well, but lo- that's, how it's per- that's how it's spelled that as Maria Quiet. Sing. And she was born in 1940, so this would have been in the 60s. In the 60s? So, yeah, Deep well, Purple definitely. Smoke on the Water was in the 60s. Yeah, so they or heard that and were like, well, let's just do that. How about. Isn't it amazing to you how long a song will go? Like, uh, what's the, the ZZ Top song that uh, I guess it was Muddy Waters they ripped off? How, 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 how. That oh, song. LaGrange? Yeah, LaGrange. They did that, and then it was like 30 years later, all of a sudden they're like, Hey, that's our song. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> way to be topical and hear it 30 years <laughs> after it was popular and on the radio all the time. How did you not mm-hmm. know that? I think basically they because they're talking about going to a horror house and listening to his music, but they don't bring that up in the song. No, but I, it, but, but that's like that whole beat it. of the song, yeah, the whole the down, yeah. right? That's all just a ripoff. But I'll tell you, you know, even with that said, I was telling you earlier, I took my girls, my two young girls to Jingle Ball last night. I don't know any of the Bakesha is like the only recognizable name I knew up there. Right. And I went uh, to, for them because this is a big thing. And I love music and I want my kids to have that memory of music, too. Sure. So Absolutely. we went and I'll sit. I'll tell you what. I was still fascinated because uh, these bands were fun to watch. They were interesting. And I'm just I'm boggled by the fact that there are only so many notes and so many chords and so much music I can know. come of that. How are we it's not true. stealing from each other? Well, constantly? kind of kind are. of, kind are, of now. are now. Yeah. 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 Sampling. Yeah, right. Sampling. Well, they're sampling, well, but I mean, yeah. there's still new music that's constantly created, and some of it's going to dabble and bump into each other. Sure. I understand, but yeah. it just still feels. See now, where I think there's a dangerous line is uh, the Blurred Line song that they oh, were able to was... sue because it was in the vein of. Yeah, I don't know if it was close enough to just. If it was close enough to justify that lawsuit, right. then a lot of music is. Well, close they enough. lost. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> they they lost lose, that, yeah. that that Millions deal. Of that sets a very dangerous precedent. I and think. who was it that they said it was? They were stealing from Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye, right? To say that it was it was in the style of Marvin Gaye. Well, since when is that a? Yeah, really. A crime. I mean, there's different stuff. Marvin Gaye doesn't own a style of music. Pretty much everybody in the mid '60s wrote in the style of the Beatles. Yeah, right. really. Yeah. Or in the style. Of Dylan, or in the style of Dylan, right? Exactly. And then you've got the entire rock movement, which was just stealing from the black culture. Yeah, absolutely. Which is funny, you know. One of my favorite songs, just a, a guilty, stupid pleasure song, was uh, uh, "Tainted Love." Love that song, but, right? But did you know that was an old 1960s girls song? No. Yeah, yeah. You, Andy, look it up on YouTube. The yes. original, it's like the chiffons or something like that. Yeah, really? Soft or just a cover. They just covered it. Yeah, and then that's why when they rolled over the extended version, mm-hmm. they start doing the. Um, the Four Preps, recorded by Gloria Jones in 1964. Yeah, can you play that at all, or is that... Uh, can I? Let's see here. It's it's pretty uh, pretty cool, but I was like, wow, I had no clue that that was an original <laughs> tune. But you, you bring up that thing of why, why it took 30 years for them to decide that, oh, they copied our song. Which, I know. It's just like the chucker when he talks about what happens when the Grateful Dead fans <laughs> <laughs> finally sober up. What's that terrible <laughs> music? What does a Grateful Dead fan say when he runs out of pot? What's that horrible music? <laughs> he just sobered up. They ran out of pot. They're away. They stole our song. All right, let's see how this. Let's see if it, see if it opens familiar enough. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it. There you oh, go. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's great. It is the same song. It is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's the same exact song. Get away. 
Yeah. Oh, that's a flat-out rip-off. Well, it's not a rip-off. They, just, they were they covering just it. Oh, they did. Yeah. They were just doing a cover. Oh, I But, like, you listen to that, and how many songs? And if I had a Google list. I'll try to find it and send it to Andy for another show. But... I've got a, so- a a list of songs that were originally done by somebody else, but yeah. they became ragingly popular, and you never knew there was another version of no, it. No, that's well, like, sure um, a lot of that. Mad World made, was made famous by that guy, piano guy. Piano guy. Billy, Billy Joel. Joel. No. <laughs> uh, Liberace. Gary Jules. Oh. Gary Jules is the version everyone knows, but it was originally by Tears for Fears. Thank but God, no one thought, knows that. I thought you said Harry Jules. I thought, oh, God. <laughs> what's what's, that? I said, uh, what's good uh, Bang Your Head? What, uh, bang Your Head. Right. What is that yes, band? Um, uh, Quiet Riot. Yeah, there you is go. Is basically, 10 years later, redoing Slade's song. Yeah, that's right. And Slade was a pretty popular band. I like Slade. And they're, right. They're a great band. But they never got to the popularity level. Mm. But if you listen to um, Come On, Feel the Noise... By mm-hmm. Slade, and then mm-hmm. listen to Quiet Riot. They're almost indistinguishable. Yeah, it's in, and you're like, wow, I didn't even realize this was a cover version, let alone it was a cover version of another famous band. Yeah. So I, yeah, I love the, that aspect of music, and well, I understand sometimes you're going to just have to do covers. But I wonder what you know. Is there still a? Is there still songwriting unions that are? I mean, are songwriters still very prevalent? I know they're nowhere like they were in the 50s and 60s. No, no not probably really. Not. Most bands are, are important, but there's got to be somebody writing music for these boy bands and girl bands oh, and, definitely. and all that they stuff. They don't write their own. I know that much. Andy, can you figure out, I mean, sharps and flats and all that stuff included, there are only so many notes. How many different combinations of notes can there possibly be? Well, I mean, if you're talking about like literally just random, horrible sounding combinations of notes, there's yeah. billions <laughs> and billions. Billions no, we're and not billions. talking about rap music, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Sorry. We've moved on. Oh, I just agree with Send you. your hate mail right to Ralph W. Basham. Ralph <laughs> W. Basham. Except for, except for California Love, because that's a song about being proud of your neighborhood, which I like that song. The rest of the garbage about how wonderful I am and I'm the greatest and we should have sex. It's like, ugh. I know. No, it's, well, the, it's all you got. Well, music is all mathematics, and it mathematics is, yes. is infinite. So that's, so that's the reason why you can have such a great diversity of, uh, of sounds and music and tones. Right, you know. but for songwriters to just, you know, it's like watching Amadeus, right? And you watch that movie, and, and they're telling you how his mind worked, right. and he just yes. heard things together. That just That's astounding. It is great stuff. That is great and stuff. And that you can just hear this, and you know, no, this needs a violin, or this needs this. Oh, yeah. We will be back in just a couple of minutes. Tom Bernard Show.